Welcome to the Vineyard and welcome to the year 2019. Isn't it exciting? Isn't it something starting a new year? How many get excited over the start of a new year? Okay, anybody go like, oh no, here we go again. There's one in every crowd, I tell you. You got to watch out for this one right here. Yeah, I mean, most of us, which would include, I think, everybody but Mike, um, mo- <laughs> most of us get excited at the start of the new year. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a new beginning. It's an exciting time. It's a time to put the past behind and step into the new. And, you know, people make resolutions because there's something about their life that they would like to change. And there's something about the new year, probably more than any other time of year, there's something about the new year that makes people feel optimistic that they can change. You know, I mean, maybe they've tried before and not been successful, but, but now it's a new year. Things are going to be different. We preach, approach the new year full of, um, full of optimism and full of hope. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing, uh, you know, because change can happen. People do change. I've changed. Many of you have changed. We've all, we've all changed. Change does happen. I mean, you're sitting around here in this room, you're sitting around here, you know, surrounded by people whose lives have changed, and many whose lives have changed drastically. You see who, people who have seen transformation take place in their own lives. And that's what Jesus comes for, to do. He comes to bring about change in our lives and change in our situation. He comes to bring about transformation in, in, in our lives. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, what he, that's what he brings. I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said about change and, and said about new beginnings. He says this, how can we make a fresh start? And then he quotes, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He quotes Luke 9.62 in that. And he says, one who guides a plow does not look back or into the immense distance, but to the next step that must be taken. Backward glances are not a Christian thing to do. Leave fear, anxiety, and guilt behind and look to the one who gives you a new beginning. I love that. Because when a farmer plows a field, he's not constantly looking back to where he's been. Because if he does, that field, the, 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 the row is going to, the furrow is going to look like this, right? It's going to be all over the place. But neither does he look so far into the distance that he doesn't see where he's going. What's he look at? He looks at the next step. And it's the same way in our journey to see our lives change. Looking to the next step, not looking back all the time and not just focusing on, on the, 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 the distant future, you know, thinking someday, someday things are going to be different. Someday I'm going to change. Someday this is going to happen, but someday is always so far into the future. But if you actually never do anything to bring about change, it'll never happen. It's not enough to just hope things will change, or wish things would change. You do something to bring about change. As Bonhoeffer said, you look to the next step. Now, I want to let you in on a little secret, a little secret to change. Maybe there's an area of your life that you want to see, uh, that you really need to see some big change, something that you're, you're thinking, boy, you know, I've got to see change in this area, and it's got to be now. If that's you, I want to give you a secret 
to seeing that big change. Because typically we look for some big thing that we can do. Going to, you know, we're going to change everything right away, overnight. I'm going to wake up and it's going to be different. I'm looking for that big thing. But, and, and the problem is with that, often people want to be changed, but they don't want to change. Often people want to be changed, but they don't want to change. They want the result, but they don't want to go through the process. And they want to see immediate results, not gradual change. For example, they want to be out of debt, but they don't want to say no to the things that they see that they want. So they just keep on buying. They, 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 they want to the end effect, but as far as the day-in and day-out process, they don't want to do that. And here's the secret. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. And that's what this series is all about, this new series that we're starting today, Small Things, Big Difference. For four weeks, we're going to be talking about, the, uh, talking about doing small things that will make a big difference in your life. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Zechariah 4. You can bring it up in your Bible app. If you need help finding Zechariah in your Bible, it's the second to last book in the Old Testament. Um, I remember when I was a, uh, a brand new Christian, I would, Lisa and I would we'd drive down to Bedford to go to church and... Um, I was always leaning over to her. We had our Bibles, you know, and, 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 but I was always looking, looking over it, leaning over to her. Old or new? I knew there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. I just didn't know a whole lot about the difference or what was in what. So old or new? Is that, you know, Mark, is that old or new? You know, or Hosea, is that old or new? What, I, I didn't know. So anyway, Bible app helps with that, by the way. Uh, but anyway, so, so uh, we're going to be looking at... Uh, uh, just for a moment, at Zechariah chapter 4. Um, to give you a little bit of context, the Jews had been in exile because of their continual disobedience. You know, they had been, God had warned them time and time again, said, look, if you guys don't start doing what I'm telling you, you're, this is going to happen. And, and, you know, they didn't stop, and, and they were exiled and, and, you know, gone for years and, and that. But now, you know, and the temple had been destroyed, but now a remnant has returned. And not only has a remnant returned, but they've returned with permission to rebuild the temple. And the temple was going to be rebuilt, but it wasn't going to be rebuilt by their own power and strength. I mean, yes, they had to do the work. Yes, they had to do that. But it's really happened by the Spirit of God. And that's the way that change happens in our lives. There's things that we have to do. There's things that God requires of us, things that He wants us to do but the empowerment comes by the Spirit of God. That's how, that's how change, change comes about. So <clears throat> it, it's the Spirit of God that brings about the change. It empowers this change. So let's read our passage in Zechariah chapter 4, starting in verse 6. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force nor by strength, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone in the temple in place, 
the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. So, so the temple, he's saying the temple is going to be built. You're going to do the work, and it's going to get done, and it's going to get done by the power of my spirit equipping you. And then in verse 8, then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. And then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Verse 10 is going to be our focus, or our impetus, so to speak, for this series. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You see, this is what was going on as they were rebuilding the temple and the foundation was laid, the, the remnant, the people would come back in. And, and as the people came back in, they, um, uh, you know, they would look at the foundation and rather than, oh man, isn't this great? Look, it's finally happening. Look where it is. They'd look at the foundation and they started to weep. They started to cry. Why? Because they were comparing it. They were remembering the splendor and the majesty and the grandeur of of the old temple that had been destroyed. And they looked at it and said, this one's no match for this. This this isn't like the old one. This thing's pathetic. Look at this. And they started to weep because they were looking at the foundation. They were looking at, this, at the size. It was, it, it was small, and it wasn't impressive at all. It was nothing to write home about. But the Lord said, do not despise these small beginnings. In fact, the Lord rejoiced to see the work begin. The Lord rejoices. The Lord rejoices in baby steps. The Lord rejoices when you take one step toward Him. The Lord rejoices when you do a small, take a small move toward Him. We think, wow, you know, if we do this great big thing, God's going to be so happy with us. But the Lord sees us take one step. And we all do that. Sometimes we do that with fear and trepidation. We do that with uncertainty, you know, but we take a step toward him. And he rejoices over that when he sees the small beginnings, when he sees those baby steps. We're going to start this year by looking at small things. You know, John Wooden said it's the little things that are, that are, that are vital, the little things that make big things happen. So we're going to start this year looking at small things. And as we do, don't, you know, don't judge the end by the beginning. When the beginning starts, those small things, that makes a difference. Specifically, through this series, we're going to be looking at four areas in which a small start will make a big difference. Next week, week two, we're going to be looking at our thoughts, small things that make a big difference. The following week, we're going to be looking at our words. Again, small things that have a huge impact make a big difference. Week four, we're going to be looking at our habits. 
You know, habits are small things that can make a big difference in our life. Today, we're going to be talking about one word. One word. And the idea is to take one word and to make it your focus for the year. Focusing your efforts on one thing, one area. Doing that will maximize your results in that area. One word and one verse. Now, what is it? That's, that's what you're going to have to find out. I'm going to give you an example. Um, um, Isaiah 54.2. Okay, let's read it. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. It's talking about growing. It's talking about expanding our influence in the place where God has put us. And I wanted you to think about that in relation to the church, to this local church. If we want to grow and if we want to increase our impact in the community, increase our effectiveness in reaching this community as a church, then we have to be intentional about what we are going to do, right? We have to be, we have to have focus. And the key word here as you look at this is the word strengthen strengthen. If you want a bigger tent, then you need stronger stakes that go deeper into the ground. Anybody ever set up a tent? Ever try to, and I mean tents when you have like a a pole and the the tie lines going out from it, not these tents that you just, you know, you, you unwrap them and then you just pull a string and pop, you know, everything pops into place. The spring poles and everything. I mean, tent, real man's tent that you got to stake down to the ground. You ever try to stake down a large tent with a stake that's meant for a pup tent? Doesn't stay up very long, does it? It just doesn't hold. I was somewhere, I can't remember where it was. I think it was a uh, a, a wedding somewhere and there was an outdoor tent for the reception and it was so windy that day and they had trouble keeping the the tent stakes in the ground you know because the wind would come along and just loosen those things we need stronger stakes that are going to go deeper now how do we do that by each one of us digging deeper and growing stronger. As, as we as individuals grow and strengthen uh, and, and are strengthened, the church body is strengthened as a whole and we have a greater impact. So how do we as individuals grow and strengthen? Same way. The same way through intentionality and through focus. And that's what one word gives us. The concept has become popular. Many of you have heard about it or, or, um, you know, uh, uh, are familiar with it. The concept has become popular through a couple of different books that have been written about it. Several people have helped promote it. I don't know who actually came up with the idea. Some of you may. Uh, But uh, it's become popular in the last several years because it's effective. It works. Taking one word and making it your focus for that year. Now, this is something that, that, that David has, has referred to several times over the past several years. He's the one that I first heard of it from. You know, he, he, a few years ago, he, he said, you know, my word for the year is, yeah, I'm thinking, your word for the year is what? What do you mean word for the year? What's that? And he's, you know, so I've been, you know, last couple of years, you know, just, just trying to work on this and trying to incorporate this into my life with some success and some not, but, you know, I've been working on it. 
this is something that's worked well with David, and he's, he's going to come up and take a few minutes and explain the concept. That's on. Go ahead and explain the concept and talk about how he got his word for the year and the impact that it's had on his life and, and so forth. So take it. So um, one thing uh, I was actually reading uh, this week, I was finishing up, um, we referenced this Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, book that was um, next year for Advent. I would highly recommend this book. It's really, really good, um, but it's just a daily devotional. And it, it goes through, for all of you Scrooges out there that don't realize it's still Christmas, today is the 12th day of Christmas, okay? Um, so we take down our tree today. It's actually a pretty difficult day around our house. Um, but we woke up with some Christmas worship music and everything. But um, this was yesterday's reading in this. But um, it says, every new morning is a new beginning of our life. I think that sometimes it can be like, oh, gosh, we just, the, the new year thing is overstated. Or it's, th this, is, this is some validity here. Every new morning is a new beginning to our life. Every day is a completed whole. The present day should be the boundary of our care and, and striving. It's long enough for us to find God or lose God, to keep the faith or to fall into sin and shame. Listen to this. God created day. He created night so that we might not wander boundlessly. But already in the morning, may we see the goal of the evening before us. As the old sun rises new every day, so the eternal mercies of God are new every morning. It's just a smaller capsule of every year. To grasp old faithfulness of God anew every morning or every year, to be able in the middle of life to begin a new life with God and do it daily or yearly, that is the gift that God gives with each and every new morning and each and every new year. January 6th, we're already singing songs like, God, won't, don't give up on me. Like we've set goals maybe this week, and we're setting, we're talking about, God, don't give up on me. Like, so I've seen, you know, there, if you're on social media, there's memes everywhere. Like, oh, it's noon on January 1st, and I'm already into the third bag of potato chips, or, you know, whatever it is. We, we have those things that are, we're, we're very familiar with. <laughs> that, that laugh was a little loud and personal over there. Okay, I get it. Um, but the reality is, is you changed in 2018. If you look back, um, John was sitting here telling me, he reminded me of a story uh, one year ago this week where I was, and, and it was the first time I ever heard that reckless love song. But I thought about all the things that have happened over the course of the last year and how they changed me and how they impacted me and how much my life has changed and how much I have, as a person have changed. You changed. You're different. You're more of something. You might be more humble. You might be more grateful. You might be more skeptical. You might be more cynical. You might be more joyful, more ambitious, more committed. You are more of something than you were on this date a year ago. Was it for better or was it for worse? What if 2019 was the year that you became intentional about what you are growing into? What if in the first week of 2020, you look back and you're like, wow, I feel like there's a really bad pun in there about 2020 vision, and I'm going to leave it. But there's, you, you're going to have 2020 vision a year from now, and you're going to look back and you're going to say, 
okay, I'm a different person now than I was then. Did I have anything to do? Did my intentionality, did I allow God to do something in the midst of that? So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, well, you, uh, well, I'll go through a couple of the... The first time I did this, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it was becoming a thing. I didn't know it was becoming marketed and all those other things. I just, I was in a really tough spot. And the end of 2013 was a brutal stretch for us. And in, in, as we were wrapping up 2013, I, I, we were at a friend's house, and I was by myself. This, I will remember this moment for as long as I live. I remember I was sitting by a fire. I had been building the fire in the fireplace. Um, and, and I was by myself, and I was just sitting quietly with the Lord in my Bible. And I was, so I was having a quiet time in the midst of a tough stretch. And in that moment, the Lord said, hope. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the ho- dimensions of hope that you didn't even know what it was. That word became so significant. It's my arm, Abby has it tattooed. Like that, that's become a pretty significant word. And that, that one word changed really the trajectory of the narrative of our life. Um, and the trajectory of our thought process. And so I would encourage you to take, take this serious. Now, each and every year has been a little, a little different. I remember that one and the next year were very, very vivid moments. Um, the other times it's been, I've just taken like, I've taken some intentional time to just sit and to listen, um, and God spoke. Um, this year was a little bit different. It wasn't a I sat down and I, I took some intentional time over a week or so and, and saw what God was kind of speaking. Um, this year it was something that kind of happened a few months ago and it's just kind of been in the back of my mind and stirring in my heart for a little bit. Um, so let me get my bearings here because I don't want to take too much time. But here, here's what I will say. In t- last year, my, year my, my word of the year was good. And I shared that in a sermon in February, and it was like, how, how can that be? There was like a really, there was a lot of really crummy stuff that had already happened. Both in our like household, we were dealing with some chaos, but also um, I, the Parkland shooting was around that time. It was just like some really stuff, but it's, it, we were, it was declaring it's going to be a good year. It isn't declaring that this is something that's already been mastered in my life or that it's going to go well. It's simply focusing on and creating space for the one who holds all things to use whatever this year brings for good and continue to be good himself. It was more focusing on God's goodness and how I wanted to, I wanted to see him shine through even in really difficult situations. So it's not some artificial positive thinking. I am anti that stuff. I am about being positive. I am about I am not about the theology of positivity. But it is deeply rooted in an attachment to God, to Jesus. That that what if our God cares enough about us that he would speak to us and give us a word and that he would allow our minds to be focused on that and it helped direct the narrative of what he's speaking into our lives. I have a couple of verses that I, I want to share along with this. In Jeremiah 29, 11 is really famous, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody, you know, they've been in church for maybe two months. You've probably heard a sermon on that or, or someone speaking how God has a purpose and a plan for your life and it's planned to hope for hope and pros, to prosper you and all those really cool things. If you keep reading, it says, When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. 
So maybe you're discouraged, well, like, well, man, that's really that's for like the holy people who know how to like preach or what. That's lies anyway. But that it's for everybody. Like the kingdom of God, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets in on this action. And so I want to encourage you that if, if you're like, gosh, that's really cool for people who can hear from God, but I, ha- I, I just don't know how to, how do you hear from God? What's that look like? It looks like a lot of different ways, but let's just see what God does. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. Keep it in the next verse. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. When you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Another translation says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. uh, Isaiah 50, morning by morning he wakens me and he opens my understanding to his will. So I want to encourage you, take time this week. Take time this week. Morning by morning, he wakens me, and he opens my understanding to his will. Maybe you're like, gosh, I just, this stuff does not, this seems like for the uber spiritual. It's not. It's for the super simple. Like, that's what I love about it. It's simply, the equation is this. I wholeheartedly seek God. I open it, I create space and, and intentionality in my life, and I just sit with God. Maybe it's with my Bible app. Maybe it's with a, 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 a Bible. Maybe it's with a mentor. Maybe it's just sitting um, in a space that I don't. I can remove some distractions. Whatever that is, wholeheartedly go into it. Now that's risky. When you do something wholeheartedly, it's risky, right? I got to officiate a wedding. Um, about a week ago, and it was it was fantastic. I just loved this couple. It was so fun to journey through with premarital counseling and do something. This couple, I've just I've been really close with. I've gotten to walk a lot of life with them for the last couple of years, and I just I, as we were talking, the idea of just committing your life to somebody wholeheartedly. There's so much risk involved in that because they're going to change. You're going to change. Things are going to happen. What you commit to someone, you commit in a, in a marriage ceremony, you commit to them wholeheartedly. That's what God's invitation is for you right now. Maybe you've been like, yeah, you know, I, I go to church, I've kind of been sitting, and I don't even know, like, what does wholeheartedly look like for you in this, in this year? I would say, I would challenge you, take some time this week and figure that out. Take some time. Don't let another week go by. There's not a better day than today. There is not a better week than this week to to change and alter the trajectory of what God wants to write in your narrative. Now, there's a positive way of doing this, and there there is something that's more than positive. There's a kingdom of God way of doing this. So I would encourage you to also tie that with a verse. So just very briefly, I forget which one of my devices I've put my notes on here, but um, very briefly... What that might look like is like for mine, the word is in my word of the year is anticipate. Okay. And so I am, I'm a football guy. I love coaching it. I love watching it. I love being around it. I'm a huge Indiana football guy. And um, there was an article written early in the year when we had a big game. And, you know, it's easy to get cynical when your team just continually. M- just lays an egg in big games and just, or what you fill in the blank for what that is in your life. The thing that you are excited about and, and you get your heart up about and you're like, Oh, I'm so excited about this. And then there's this reservation that we have, right. To put a guard on our heart, to, to, to say, I'm, I'm just gonna, 
I don't know, it's probably not going to work out anyway. You know, my, this, this is my 14th job in 12 years, and this one probably isn't going to work out. Right. It's not, first of all, not with that attitude. Uh, I got a friend that says it all the time, so I had to throw that in there. But you, it, uh, our attitude affects that so much. And this article wrote, wrote this one phrase, I think it was back in September. It says, have the audacity to enjoy this opportunity for what it could become. And I thought, have the audacity to enjoy this opportunity. What, that, is, that is a fantastic way of living your life. Like, what if God is who he says who he is? You put that in, in a kingdom context, what if God is who he says who he is? Have the audacity to enjoy and embrace this life for what it could become. Not for all the junk that's come a long way, but just what if. And so I, I was praying a little bit. I, a couple of verses came to mind that I kind of had a piece of the verse, and so I did the Google thing, right? And so I'm like, gosh, I remember that part of the verse. Maybe this. So I, I handpicked a couple of verses, but Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. So regardless of what happens, I'm going to wholeheartedly, my whole being is going to wait on the Lord and put my hope in him. I think that's what I have for today. Susie, why don't you come on up? She, Lord's been speaking to her about promises, and she had just a couple of things to share. Because this is all connected. The one word, the, 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 the promises of God, and tying the word to a scripture. So earlier, Dad started off by talking about how... Um, People tend to want the results, but then don't want to go through the whole process of how to get to the results you just want to get there now. I was actually just talking about something last night with Josh. I was like, man, I just really want this, but I really just, I don't want to put in the work because that takes really hard work to get there, and I just, every time I think about it, I just don't want to do it, so that's where I am right now, and that really stinks because it's like, well, I really want that thing, and it's... Like, I just keep going back in my head because one day I'm going to decide, you know what, I'm putting in this work and I'm going to get there because if dad will say anything about me, he says, when I want something, I'll go and get it. So I guess one day I'm going to want that enough and I'll be standing up here today and say, hey, guess what? Um, but anyway, so my point, just real, I'm going to try and be brief, but a lot of times, it's in the process where we learn to depend on him and really lean on him and really get to know him and get that intimate relationship with him. And yes, I volunteered to be up here, but I'm still shaking. So, <laughs> um, Anyway, this week, I've been going through the book of Genesis. Um, if you've been here for a while, you'll know this. If you haven't been here, it won't take you long to realize we very strongly encourage and promote Bible reading plans, whether it's just a three-day one, um, a whole year one. There are so many out there. The whole point of it is we just want you in the Word, spending time with God on a daily basis. So whether you break that up into just a short plan that you just keep picking another one every few days or whether you pick a long one it takes the whole year 
personally, my favorite one is the chronological, which is it goes through the events as they occurred. So I always tend to fall back on that one. I miss it when I try and go somewhere another way. I always end up the next year, I'll go back. So this year I'm back on chronological. And so that means I am in Genesis this week. And I've been reading through uh, about Abraham. And Abraham had what I would consider a massive promise. He was promised to be the father of many nations. In, um, in Genesis 15, 5, it said that uh, he, the Lord, took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. So the thing about this promise, Abraham didn't have any children. In fact, his wife, Sarah, was barren. And um, I, I don't have time to go into a lot of the story. It's, it's in Genesis. This part was in 15, so if you could start around there. Um, but it actually, through that time of waiting, he decided that, you know, God gave me this promise, so I know that it's true because I have a relationship with God, so I know that he won't lie, and he's good, so I know that this is true, but in my reality, my wife is barren, and I'm getting older, so how's this going to happen? So he decided, and his wife decided, you know what, maybe God needs a little help. Maybe He's, you know, having some trouble, and this has taken a really long time, so maybe he just needs our help. So his wife Sarah said, here, have my servant, Hagar. Why don't you take her, have a son with her, and then that's how God will fulfill your promise through her. So Abraham says, okay, we'll try it. So he had a son, Ishmael, and that son did end up becoming a nation. But it wasn't part of God's promise. So it actually ended up being Abraham was 100 years old, and he fathered Isaac through his wife, Sarah. He had to wait until he was 100 years old because God's timing was what he had to wait on. It wasn't his. He couldn't. He couldn't see from his reality, from standing there in this world in the physical sense, he looked around and he's like, well, I don't see how this is possible, so obviously I'm going to help God and I'm going to try and do it my way. If God promises you something, trust in him and don't try and speed through the process. Try and listen to him and be like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me through this promise? And lean into him and depend on him. Don't try and take control of yourself because that's the hardest thing. That is something where I struggle a lot. If I have no control over something, then I'm just like, uh, I can't handle this. I need to get out and just get away from it. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with releasing my control and just letting him, okay, God, I trust you. You said this. You promised this. I'm trusting in you 100%. However, I can't see it with my eyes. I'm trying to see how you would do it. And I'll, I'll get in my head and try and figure out, well, how can you make this work? His, his brain is a whole lot better than mine. So it, it usually just gets me confused. I don't advise it. Trust him. 
it's hard. You could be faced with something that's really hard right now. Trust him. If you are a believer, this is something that is so huge for me right now. It's really God is just like burning it in my heart. If you are a believer and you have accepted his free gift of life, Jesus died on the cross for you, and if you have accepted that, then that same power that rose him from that grave, that had him walking back out of that tomb, that rolled that stone away, that very same power lives inside of you. So learn how to tap into that power and start defeating everything because it's already been defeated. And now you have the power. So start living from that point of this is already beat. This has already been won. This has already been defeated. Stop saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I look with my physical eyes and I don't see how he's going to do this. Stop. Don't give up hope. I'm shaking even more. Don't give up hope because that power lives inside of you. So start using it. Stop suppressing it. Amen. See, this is all about trusting God in the process. Trusting God, he's going to give you a word, one word that, that, that it will um, direct, that he will use to direct the course of the next year in your life. Trusting God in the process and taking the small steps, the baby steps. It's all about looking to God and trusting him as we move forward. And that's how we trust God. We don't trust God when we're just standing here. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you to do this, whatever it is. I'm going to trust you to give me this. I'm going to... We trust as we move forward in our relationship with him. And we do that one day at a time. We do that with small steps. We do that with baby steps. We do that with a reading plan where I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Every day, it's a small thing, whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes, I'm going to do that every day. And when this plan is done, I'm going to start another plan because every day I want to be growing. Every day I want to be in the Word. Every day I want to be connected with God. Every day I want to be hearing what He's saying to me. Every day I want to be obeying what He's telling me. Never underestimate the importance of small things. Final thought for you. God loves faithfulness in small things. God loves baby steps. Think about those of you who are parents, how proud you are, you know, uh, when, um, when your, your, your child, you know, takes a baby step. And just, you know, parents get so excited when the child takes one step. Somebody on Facebook, one of you posted, you know, this week, one step, oh, it took three steps, three steps today, you know, and it's like shouting off the page, you know. That's how God is when we take steps with him, baby steps, small steps, small things, because small things are what makes a difference. Small things matter. Jesus said faithfulness in small things is what moves us ahead. Matthew 25 said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small thing, and now I'm going to give you many more things. I'm going to give you more responsibility because you've been faithful in the small things. And he says, let's celebrate together. Jesus values faithfulness in small things, so do not despise small things 
embrace them. Embrace them. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up.